0: Proverbs 11.30. Proverbs 11.30. I am nothing more than your servant, and as your servant, I'm sent by the Lord Jesus Christ to serve you for our perfection as a church and your perfection as individual saints. And I want to consider a duty of the life of a saint this morning that will benefit and profit all of us if we all do this duty of saints. Look at Proverbs 11 and verse 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. That is a description of a saint, because a righteous man is a saint, And it tells us that a righteous man will bear the fruit of saving lives. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And it tells us that a wise man, who is also a saint, is engaged in winning souls. And so I want to explain this verse and remind us of a duty that we have as saints. A duty that if we practice, we can have a perfect church. Amen as perfect as any church has ever been or can be in this world. I want you to remember why we assemble. We do not assemble just to hear the pastor. That isn't the emphasis of the Word of God. The reason we have congregations and that we assemble is for all of you to be with each other and to help each other on our way to our heavenly kingdom. We also need to remember about the deceitfulness of sin that if we do not help each other it is very easy for us to lose our focus on heavenly things and our affection for those things and to slip into sin we all need to help all others in this body Amen. we cannot survive just with a pastor the pastor needs you you need the pastor but we all need each other Amen. Right. soul winning has been corrupted this verse has been destroyed with the idea that we can run around and save people from hell to heaven, which we cannot do. And that isn't the intent of this verse at all. Right. There was no gospel to preach in the days that Solomon wrote this verse. This verse is written in the Old Testament, and the life that he describes is contained in the book of Proverbs. The tree of life he is describing is in the book of Proverbs. It's saving a man from error and rebellion and and foolishness to a life that pleases God, growing in favor with God and man. And that is our goal with each other, is to help each other fulfill your purpose for living, to grow in favor with God and man like the Lord Jesus Christ did. But we need each other to do that. It is hard to do that. As soon as we walk out of these doors, there is no remembrance of God anywhere. There is no encouragement to live a righteous life. There is just get, get, get. Get more for yourself. Look out for number one, Robert Ringer wrote years ago. It's just all selfish greed and covetousness. It's not helping us toward our heavenly goal of being a perfect man. And a perfect man is a man like the Lord Jesus Christ. And a perfect girl is like the Lord Jesus Christ. Growing in favor with God and man. That means God is happy with you and men are happy with you because you always do the right thing. And the right thing is not what you think is right or I think is right, but what God thinks is right. Trees of life. I want all of you to be trees of life. I want to be a tree of life. I preached a long series on this a hundred years ago or so. A long time ago. Just one sermon not very many minutes because it's not the details that are going to help you it's the conviction to be a tree of life right and a tree of life takes some time and some effort and some learning what will men think when you are laid to rest in your grave what will your epitaph say about you what will it say will people stand around that grave and Turn away and no great loss because you never contribute anything to their lives anyway. Or, God forbid, that turn away and say, finally, man, now a little peace and quiet. Or, can we be laid to rest with an epitaph something like this? He delighted in God above all others and he was a tree of life to all others. I think that's pretty good. Amen. He delighted in God above all others, and he was a tree of life to all others. Now forget the he. She delighted in God above all others, and she was a tree of life to all others. Did you know that in that little epitaph we have the two commandments of the law? What did, how did God summarize his entire law? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength, and thy neighbor as thyself. So our purpose can be summed up in two commandments. Jesus said, On this hang the entire law and the prophets. Everything written in the Old Testament is is in those two commandments. To love God, he delighted in God above all others, and to love your neighbor, he was a tree of life to all others. We're receiving some new members tonight. We receive new members with thankful joy. As a pastor, though, when new members come, it's not only joy. It's the realization that it's a new set of problems and more work. I remember the first time I witnessed this in another pastor. I went up after a service when we had taken in some new members and I saw that there wasn't a big smile on his face. And without grabbing him physically, I I shook him. And said, Why aren't you as excited as I am? This is before I was ordained. You'll know someday. I'm not quite I don't have quite as negative an attitude as he did, but I understand now what he meant by those words, because every new member is a new responsibility. Brethren, if we're going to do our job right, we're taking on five more that are young. They're not going to come to you and tell you their problems. We have to go after them and care about them like we should be going after and caring about one another. We are called to bear fruit in our lives. Right. This verse tells us that the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. This is a figure of speech. We're not really trees. And we don't, really give, e- we don't give eternal life. But the righteous man has fruit hanging off of him. He has food. He has help. That helps other people find life. And the life we're talking about is the life of godliness on our way to eternal life. A righteous man has hanging off of him and his life things that other people can come and pick and eat and find strength and wisdom and encouragement and correction and warning and reproof so that they are bettered by being around him. That is a great man. That is a man that when he's buried, people will stand around that grave and commune later and remember for many years the benefits of knowing that person. Most go to the grave and are forgotten in a few hours. We want to live lives that are not wasted in this world. We want to delight in God and we want to serve one another. By loving them in the way that this verse describes, we want to be a tree of life so that when others are around us, they have something to eat that is pleasant and profitable and nourishing to their souls, and they're made better by knowing us. May the Lord bless us to this end. We're called to bear fruit with our spouses. You know, marriage is leading about a sister. Even a woman can influence her marriage by bearing fruit because 1 Peter chapter 3 tells me that a woman can win her husband without the word of God. She never has to crack a Bible. She doesn't have to leave tracks in his fishing tackle box. She can live a holy life. And 1 Peter 3 says she can win her husband without ever cracking the word of God by being in subjection to him with all fear and all chastity. By being pure and submissive, she can win her husband. Now, let's say you've already got a husband that's won. By being pure and in subjection to your husband with all fear, you build him up in the most holy faith without ever cracking the word of God. You're being a tree of life by fulfilling your purpose because you were made for the man. Now, let's flip it around again. The the woman is supposed to be able to go home and ask her husband questions. The Bible tells us it is a shame for women to speak in the church a woman should not be allowed to speak in the church not even to ask questions that's 1st Corinthians 14 34 and 35 if a woman will learn anything what does the Bible say what's the solution call the pastor no let her ask her husband at home 1st Corinthians 14 34 and 35 and see there a husband is being a tree of life to his wife right. but both of those take a lot of work for a woman to be truly pure and truly in subjection, that's hard work. For a husband to have the answers for his wife, some of you husbands have a tougher row to hoe than others, that takes a lot of work also. We're called to bear fruit. We're called to bear fruit with our children. Whether it's Deuteronomy chapter 6 that says, when you rise up, when you lay yourselves down, when you sit at the table, and when you're walking by the way, Fathers are to be pointing out to children the incredible treasure that we have of wisdom. Right. No country has ever had any laws that even smell like the refuse of this book. Right. And any laws that they had that were wise, they were plagiarized and stolen from the word of God. Amen. In the midst of pagan infidelity and stupidity came Moses' law down from Mount Sinai. And if you go read the book of Deuteronomy, you will see expression after expression. This is children, sons, this is our life. Right. This is our wisdom. Sons, if you will learn these statutes, every nation on earth will consider you to be a most blessed nation because what nation on earth has laws and commandments like these? And so these are to be taught to our children and we have so much information flooding our homes. There is material every time you're around your children to take current events and apply the Word of God to them. Not apply what you learned. Not apply what you think. Apply what the Word of God has. Amen. All Every day there are events and we can take the Word of God. The World Trade Center was a classic. No one else responded to it the right way, but hopefully you led your family in responding to it God's way. And that was preached here in this pulpit, and it was given to you by email in the finger of God. All those things were basic, and you should have remembered them all, but that's bearing fruit with our children. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture, the instruction of the Lord, the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So there there we have fruit-bearing opportunities that we're commanded to use. Pa- spouses with each other. Fathers with their children, mothers to a lesser degree, but primarily fathers. The problem with America and our society is not the women. Right. It's the men. How can you blame those under authority when it's those in authority that aren't doing their job? Those under authority will toe the line if those in authority were doing their job. It's we as fathers that need to be the, tr- the great trees of life in our families. Joshua, was he a tree of life? He stood before that whole nation of three million people that didn't know what, who they were going to obey. And he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. He didn't ask the woman, and he didn't ask his kids, where do you think we ought to go to church this Sunday? He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Joshua 24, 15. God said of Abraham, I know him. He'll command his family and his household After him that means he's going to be obeying first as the example and he's going to command his whole did he have a pretty decent sized household Mm -hmm. how many men could take up swords and fight trained soldiers 318 did he whip some Kings one time yeah four Kings he whipped with his 318 trained servants he had a big household But do you know what God said of him? He's my friend because I know him. He'll command his entire household to keep the way of the Lord. That was a tree of life. Do you know what? If you were one of those servants, where'd you come from? Let's say you came from Ethiopia. Down in Ethiopia, what were they doing in Ethiopia? Maybe eating their neighbors? Maybe bowing down to some totem pole? Maybe worshiping a rock? Sort of like those in Mecca. Right. Okay. Just think of the blessing to have been a servant in the army of Abraham to watch the old man go out to some stones that he'd heap up and cut a sheep up and burn it to the Lord and hear him get down and address the God of heaven. And then you'd go out as the servant and plow a field with your other fellow servants and you'd watch it give 100 times the increase of all the neighboring farms. Then that man would come back someday and you'd hear rumors from the household because the boys, Isaac and Ishmael, would go out and tell stories about how the old man had met God. And so whenever you were were around Abraham, you wanted to hear any word that came from his lips. What a blessing it would be to have been a servant that hoed the ground of an Abraham because he was a tree of life. The Bible tells us about Job, that Job was that kind of a man. When Job sat to speak and to give wisdom, other men knelt around him in absolute quiet to hear any word that would drop from his lips because he was known as a tree of life. They wanted to hear anything that man would say. He was a tree of life. When his wife came to him in the folly of female impetuous emotion and telling him to curse God and die like foolish women speak, don't think I'm mean. Go read what Job said about her. He was a tree of life to her because he corrected her. Don't speak as the foolish women speak. Shall we not receive good at the hands of God and shall we not receive evil also? He was a tree of life. Do you know what a lot of husbands would do? You're right, this stinks. I don't know why he's doing this to me. I don't know why he's doing it. Look it, we lost our kids. I've lost my health. It's horrible. Where is he? What kind of a God would do anything like this? That's how most people today talk about God. I've heard so much dung come out of mouths about what happened at the World Trade Center. Right. I don't believe in a God who allows things like this. That's what I've heard people... That's not me talking... That's me speaking as a fool like those that I've heard. We need to be trees of life by giving the correct thing. We need to have fruit hanging off of us, coming out of our lips, coming out of our actions that other people can take and eat and find nourishment for their souls. And brethren, we're called to bear fruit with each other. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. I will not be long. I know exactly what time it is. I know I have way too much to cover, but I'm still not going to be long. And by saying that, I'm trying to bribe some of you to pay attention for the few minutes we've got. I want you to listen. I want, if we're going to be a great church, and I want us to be a great church, and great church has nothing to do with size. Today, it's all size. They want to supersize churches. There's a whole movement going called the Mega Church Super Church Movement. There's churches that are building these mon- monstrous buildings, and if you don't have over 10,000 members, you're nothing. You're a nobody. And the only way they can do that is with massive programs, and that is not a church. Right? There are no programs in the church of God. There's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. And I want us growing in that, and the way we grow in that is partly me and partly you and both of us with God's blessing. Amen. Look at Hebrews 10, 23. I want five children that we baptized last Sunday night to stand up again. Good. None of you were sleeping. You may be seated. That's not why I had you stand up. You made a profession of faith last Sunday night. In front of those people out there, I asked you if you believed Jesus was the Son of God. You all said yes. I asked you if you believed He was your only Savior from sin. You all said yes. I asked... Do you want to follow Him as His disciple for the rest of your life? You all said yes. And you know what? I said that when I was baptized. And your parents said that when they were baptized. We've all made that profession of faith. But it's hard to live up to it. Every one of you children, I've told you that in 10 years, when you're late teens, it's going to be a lot harder to obey Jesus Christ. You're going to think your parents are idiots. You're going to think that you know better. And the peer pressure of what the world's doing is going to drag you with great seduction away from your parents and away from the Lord. But we want you to make it. And by making it, what we mean is pleasing God and man like the Lord Jesus Christ did. Now, how do we help these five and how do we help each other hold fast the profession of our faith without moving away? Right here, Hebrews ten twenty three. Let us hold fast. To hold something fast means to hold it tight, not to let it go. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Let's not move. Let's be steadfast. Let's be disciplined soldiers of the cross. Never moving, but always going toward one objective, and that is complete victory in this life for the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we do it? Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. There's, there's a positive enticement to us because He is going to reward us. He will be there. He's faithful. Let us be faithful to Him. And here's how we do it. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. We have to consider you, and you need to consider us, and we all need to be considering each other and to be provoking each other to love and to good works, and not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. We're to consider one another, we're to provoke one another, and we're to exhort one another and that is how we hold fast the profession of our faith. I can't make you hold it fast. But all of us together can sure keep us encouraged and pressing on the straight and narrow path that leads to life. Amen. That's being a tree of life. Come back to chapter three of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter three. Hebrews three twelve. Take heed. Be warned, be cautious. Warning, take heed. Brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. What kind of people was he writing to? Unbelievers? Or holy brethren, according to the first verse of this same chapter? Holy brethren, were they believers? Yes. But he's saying to them, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today. That today is the gospel period extending from Jesus Christ to the end of the world. But that's not important. The word daily is just the way that you think it is. And just the way that it should be. Exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Daily. Daily exhortation is necessary for us not to depart from the living God do you see that from this passage we need each other exhorting one another not just being social friends not just having meals together but we need to be exhorting and pushing in the way of righteousness and wisdom and toward heaven are you a tree of life to your children are you a tree of life in your marriage are you a tree of life in this church Ephesians 4.16, Ephesians 4.16, this is how a church grows, and we don't mean in size or numbers. Ephesians 4.16, from whom the whole body, that is from Jesus Christ supplying us, the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. The church is a body. It says it's a body in that first line of that 16th verse. The fifth word is body. It's fitly joined together by Jesus Christ, and it is compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working, in the measure of every part. When every part is working right, the body compacts itself together to be a more compact, fighting, efficient, successful, victorious thing which is what the church of Jesus Christ can and should be. But it's from what every part contributes, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. A church grows from within by every part contributing. If every member of this church considers and prays for and exhorts and provokes one another, we will grow. Otherwise, we will just slip along We may survive but in my experience and in reading the Word of God if you're not growing in grace you're growing in carnality and if you're growing in carnality we reach a point where Jesus Christ will take the candlestick of his Holy Spirit out of this church and we are left the congregation of the dead and my whole point today to take home my, my point it's from Psalm 141 and verse 5. If the righteous smite me, I'll consider it a kindness. It's the character of being able to take correction to be better. And it's the character of a godly man who will give it to make everyone else better. Are you a tree of life? Right. Or are you always taking? Or do the things you give, are the only carnal things? <coughs> being a tree of life is not helping someone understand nutrition. That is not being a tree of life. I don't even care if the label on the side of your vitamins is called tree of life. Because that's not being a tree of life. The tree of life that I'm talking about is helping someone on the straight and narrow way of life. It's godliness. And that's what we need to be helping each other live. So what if you take vitamins and have fluorescent urine? That is not helping someone on their way to heaven. That's all that they do for you. They certainly have an extended life. We're still living the same number of years that they lived in Moses' day when he wrote Psalm 90. 70, and if by reason of strength, 80. But there is a huge difference from being a carnal Christian with a form of godliness and being a spiritually minded Christian that is living sold out for the Lord. That is a huge difference. That pleases the Lord. Don't be offended with my, if you saw my vitamin chest, you'd just be, you'd pale. I'm up to, I can swallow 20 at a time now. I'm real proud of my, every day I'm proud of myself. When I was a child, I couldn't swallow a pill. My mom, my mean mom, would hide them in jam. She'd say, Johnny, I got a spoonful of jam for you. And I had figured my mommy out by then. I'd take that jam and it down would go the jam the pill is held in my mouth and pretty soon I'm in the bathroom but once mommy figured out my little secret she taught me something she was a tree of life to me by taking something off a tree and using it on my backside she didn't actually use a switch my, it was my father's privilege but I got it all of that was don't get offended with me about pills I take them too but it has nothing to do with life it has nothing to do with the reality of life. Nothing. The life that I'm talking about couldn't care less about vitamins, minerals, and other antioxidants that you might be taking. What we want to take is something to combat the carnality of this world and the Christianity that's around us so that we'll live holy and virtuous lives. That's where the emphasis needs to be. Are we a tree of life in those directions? Look at First Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. If you simply leave this sermon by being convicted, I ought to be doing more to push others in the church toward righteousness. I win, the Lord wins, you win, and the church wins. That's all. I don't need to take a long time. I have an outline on this subject that choked me. I couldn't even first Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 14 now we exhort you brethren I had a very loving mother by the way we know. she wanted me to take my vitamin I just couldn't swallow a pill it just I was gonna choke on that little thing I had a mental block about it that's that's why I went off on that rabbit trail once in a while I do that just to relieve your minds I have a loving mother she wanted me to be healthy Just think if she'd have seen me out in the yard shooting arrows straight up in the air and having them come down one right through my nose. But she didn't see it until I came in the house. Showed her my success, my wisdom. Back to the word of God. 1 Thessalonians 5.14, now we exhort you. Remember, Thessalonians is not a pastoral epistle. This is not written to a minister. This is written to a church. Please keep that in mind. And here is an exhortation from an apostle. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. Notice the duties of church members. Because this is not a pastoral epistle. This is a general epistle to the church at Thessalonica on what they were to do for each other. Warn, comfort, support, and be patient. But to be working to build up the body, as we read in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16, if the body, every part of it, is doing what it's supposed to be doing and able to do, God is not asking from you what you are unable to do, but if every part is doing, the body will grow from within itself to be what Jesus Christ wants it to be. And he gives us the spiritual energy and the spiritual ability and wisdom and strength from within. But if we just close out this service and we go home and we come back this after this evening and we go home again and we basically ignore one another except for a few social chit chats here and there we're not fully doing our job we can do better and the word provoke we don't use it anymore it just means to push if you provoke someone to do something you're pushing them to do something and we need to be pushing each other toward righteousness do you remember the four generations of being a pastor? What a, what a blessed privilege. Do you remember the four generations of being a parent? What a great responsibility. You train your children in the word of God and make that a daily part of their lives so that it is, it is part of their thinking. What does the word of God have to say about this? If you train them that way and they train their children that way, you've got this growing pyramid of a family's influence in this world that will be here long after you're gone. Right. I have parents in the front row that are, that are evidence of that. The influence is enormous. If your children only have one child each and marry in four generations, there'll be 11 people. If they have two, it's 94 people. If they have three, it's 487 people in just four generations that you will, 487, do you know how it's the size of our church? Just think of 487 people that fear God and love His Word and are following hard after righteousness because you trained your children. Remember it says train your children and they'll show the generation to come? Right. That's being a tree of life. And it starts, the men have such an important role in being a tree of life. A tree of life is not working hard and earning a paycheck to provide for the family that's something that men have to do but that's not being a tree of life every pagan does that if you work hard and faithfully for your master as the bible says then you've done a work of righteousness but going to work and bringing home a paycheck is not being a tree of life a tree of life is not providing a home for your family and raising children we raise vegetables but we train children It's not raising children. We're supposed to be training children. That's being a tree of life. But raising children is not being a tree of life. A tree of life is not helping your children understand politics or nutrition or finance. It's understanding the things of the Lord and loving them and seeking them and hating the ways of this world and hating sin and deceit. A tree of life is not making sure your children graduate from high school or college. It's pretty much the opposite. A tree of life is teaching them real wisdom that is not taught in any high school or college. As far as our public system is concerned, a tree of life is not attending assemblies and talking to other church members by itself. A tree of life is not helping others move, loaning them money, or buying them lunch. It's more than that. And we want to press beyond all of those things toward the real spiritual benefit that we can help each other. How is your soul doing and considering someone to help their soul be more righteous before the Lord, to increase them in godliness? Right. It's so easy for us cuz we are a pretty close church. It's so easy for us to be content With having social conversations and asking about the carnal matters in each other's lives but we want to press beyond that we want to push others to be righteous and holy we want to push others to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ we want to spot sin and correct it not overlook it what what keeps us from being trees of life selfishness is the greatest obstacle to being a tree of life we're too selfish All we care about is our own things instead of the things of others. So selfishness. But the Bible tells us that we are to consider the things of others more important than our own things. But we're very selfish. It's part of human nature that we received from our first father. But the second father has not taught us so because the commandment is, Thou shalt love others as yourself. We can't be selfish. It's easy to spot a selfish person. Just go have a conversation with them. I can guarantee you what they'll talk about. Their things and what they know. They never ask you about you. They do not ask how you're doing. They do not try to help you. They just want to talk. It's selfishness. And we need to fight that down and war against that. And when we're with others, we should be listening to learn how they're doing and to see where we could help them Hold fast their profession of faith until Jesus comes. Sometimes you'll hear an expression like, well, am I my brother's keeper? That should never come up in the heart of anyone in this church. Am I my brother's keeper is someone that's going to be thinking about that in hell. Because you know where the words came from? That person's father. Cain. Cain is the one that said, am I my brother's keeper? And Cain is in hell and his brother Abel is in heaven and the Bible does tell us that. Right. Don't ever say that. That is, that is a selfish outlook, but it's totally opposed to the word of God to love your neighbor as yourself. You are your brother's keeper. God put us together in this assembly to make us keepers of one another because without our brothers keeping us, we won't be kept. Right. We need each other. Don't, look, don't allow excuses like that to come up in your heart. It's hard at the end of a day or during a day to find time for your family. To get home and to say, we're going to talk about this, and to do it, or to email someone or to call someone or to go visit someone, to do it is hard. And so the next obstacle that we have is our slothfulness. We're too lazy. Being a tree of life requires some effort and some time, some investment in others. You know, the Apostle Paul called it a work and labor of love, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10. And if any man knew about it, the Apostle Paul did after listing listing all the troubles in his life of being whipped and stoned and beaten and shipwrecked and naked and 50 other things, he says and on top of all of that, the care of the churches. And that was the work of caring for others. He knew it. And so when he writes that it's a work and labor of love, he knew what he was talking about. But we can't be lazy about this because we want our church to be a perfect church not so that we can go tell anybody else that we have a perfect church, but so that Jesus Christ can have a perfect church in this world. We're called by His name. That is the reason we want it to be perfect. Selfishness keeps us from doing it. Laziness keeps us from doing it. Fear. We are afraid to go confront someone else to encourage them because it makes us look like we're more spiritual than they are, or we're afraid to correct them because they might bite back at us. If there's anyone in this church that bites back when you correct them, take with you one or two more and go correct them again and get this matter before the church so that we can get them out of here. Because if they can't take correction, they're fools and we don't want them in this church. There's a very efficient mechanism. Get them out of here. Don't be afraid. Trust God. Because when you approach a righteous man, he's going to love you for it. That's what we read in Psalm 141, verse 5. Let the righteous smite me, I'll consider it a kindness. And that's how you're typically going to get received. But don't back off. Take with you one or two more and press the issue and let's get them out of here. There shouldn't be any fear to correct saints. Then right. there isn't. It's not saints that bite back. Another thing that holds us up is ignorance. If you're not growing in grace and if, you're not, if you haven't paid attention to the Word of God when it's preached, you don't have anything to offer. All you can talk about is carnal subjects. So you've got to be paying attention and growing in grace yourself. You have to be filling yourself up with the Word of God. You have to be craving it and devouring it and reading it and memorizing it and thinking about it and applying it so that you can apply it to someone else's life. But if you're living a carnal life, you don't have anything to offer. That's why you're reduced to talking about carnal things and buying their lunch and helping them move. But that isn't being a tree of life. A tree of life is helping someone toward their great goal in life, and that's to please the Lord Jesus Christ. And that takes some wisdom. If you haven't hid God's Word in your heart, you don't have much to offer. If you're living a carnal life, your spiritual perception is weak. Your wisdom is decayed. You won't have much to say. So it's ignorance. Then there's immaturity because it takes a mature person that cares about others and wants to sit down and work, consider a person and work through to help them. Children can only come home and yap about the things that are happening to them. But adults are supposed to be very different than that. Adults are supposed to listen and see what they can do to help not just yapping like little kids about what they did this past week we want to press each other on toward righteousness bitterness is an obstacle if you have bitterness with someone because of because of offenses in the past that you haven't taken care of you are not going to be a tree of life to them and there's going to be a breach in our congregation materialism if you are caught up in this world so that when you leave this place all you're thinking about is making your business successful you won't be a tree of life either because you've got something in the way. And that's thinking that gain in this world is godliness, which it isn't. Right. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Amen. To do this, to be trees of life, we first of all have to have the fruit within ourselves. Nothing is going to hang off our limbs unless those nutrients are on the inside. Righteousness is not going to hang, come out of our mouth unless righteousness is in our heart. And acquiring spiritual wisdom so that we can have something to give to others. We cannot give to others if we ourselves are dried up fruit. Right. That is not a tree of life. The Bible describes that tree it's a tree with withered fruit or no fruit, or a tree that needs to be cut out of the garden. Luke 13. So, first of all, we need to be living it ourselves. Then you need to learn to communicate, not just talk. To communicate is to listen. And to judge, and to analyze, by judge I don't mean criticize. By judge I mean analyze and determine what the real situation is in that person's life and what you can do to help them toward righteousness. That's communication, not this. Then we need to consider one another. That's a commandment. Consider one another. Hebrews chapter 10, Philippians 2. Then we need to provoke. Remember, to consider is to stop and think about other people's lives. Provoke means to push them in the right direction. And correction is to redirect them away from what they're doing wrong. Those are the things we need to do. Consider each other, provoke each other toward righteousness, and correct each other from unrighteousness. And if you're a loving, faithful example of this yourself, then others are going to be able to receive your correction. The success of this church and the future of this church depends on what I'm talking about this morning to you. And so if you take from this message nothing but this, the pastor was right, I should be doing more in the way of pushing my brothers and sisters in the way of righteousness, it's been a successful sermon. Because that's what I want you to take away from it. The pastor isn't the church, but everything the pastor teaches should be reinforced among all of you by each other Amen. and don't be discouraged if you don't get the results as quickly as you want because i have another word written to in a general epistle it's first corinthians fifteen fifty-eight, that to be unmovable always abounding in the work of the lord for as much as ye know brethren your labor is not in vain in the lord Amen. and that is not a pastoral epistle that's what brothers ought to be doing to each other may the lord bless us to be trees of life May the ones that we lay in the ground in the years to come and are not far away be known. They delighted in God above all others. They were trees of life to all others. May Jesus Christ be praised.